As we were praying this morning, I just really sensed the presence of God. We were over here praying, and and um, I'm not a very emotional guy, not usually. Uh, you can, um, I, uh, I don't often get choked up, but when I sense the presence of Jesus and what it is, is the, it's, a, it's just a, a feeling of compassion that goes deep, that you can't explain, that's overwhelming. And it's, and, and it's funny, that word overcome. I was thinking, it's not just about overcoming something, but it's allowing yourself to be overcome by him, by the presence of God, to be overcome by his presence. If you really want to do great things in the kingdom of God, be willing to be overcome by the presence of God. And it takes a humble heart to do that. It, it just takes humility to simply say, God, in my weakness, I know you're made strong. And when you acknowledge that, he comes and he, over, he will overcome you with his presence. And um, I was just, as we were praying, I just I sensed, you know, I think a, when you sense the presence of God, it's greater than just a feeling, right? Because I can feel something in my soul, but I sense it in my spirit. I sense the presence of God. When he comes, it just it becomes overwhelming. And I was, as we were just standing and praying, I just, I just it, it took me back this morning Several years ago, I went down to Mexico, and, and uh, I had been sent out by the missionary there, Elaine Wilburn. She sent me out to, in the middle of nowhere in Mexico. And um, if you've already heard this story, you know, we're going to, we're going to hear it again. But if you haven't, some of you, this will be your first time. Uh, she sent me out in the middle of nowhere in Mexico uh, literally, it took about an hour to drive, and it was just nothing on either side. And the man that she sent me with to interpret for me, had, she said, uh, she took the liberty to tell me that he had just gotten out of prison. And that's all she said. She just, she just threw that out there, put me in a car with a, someone who just got out of prison and said he's going to translate for me. And I was like, whoa, this is wonderful. And um, so I'm driving, or I'm riding, and he's he's driving, and uh, and the whole time I'm kind of thinking like, what did, I wonder what he did. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I was curious. <clears throat> and so we, we we drive all the way out, and um, and we get to this this building that it's just a it's kind of an unfinished building, uh, kind of a brick facade, and the back of the building I don't even know if it was complete. The front was just this tin roof that came out from it, and uh, and there was just this, it was like a tin roof, and that was, there was no walls on that tin roof, but that was the church, and um, as so we pull up, and there's this praise team that's just giving it all they've got, and none of them are in tune, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and all I can tell you is like, it was loud, it was like, if you were to ask me to describe it, that's all I could, it was loud. But the presence of God was so tangible and expressed tangible presence of God. And so, I mean, you could just sense the presence of God as you get, as we, we come in. And, of course, they're singing these songs that uh, I'm not really familiar with, but I did recognize How Great Is Our God. They were singing that. And I, so, I, so they're singing in, Espanol, and I'm singing in English, and so, and maybe a little bit of Spanglish, and so, and as we're just, just praising God, and just worshiping God, and I heard the voice of the Lord to speak to my heart, and he said, do you hear that woman? I said, yeah. There's this woman over here, and she's just got her hands just straight in the air, just like she's just, she's just crying the whole Gloria, Gloria, te amo, Señor, te amo, Señor. And you could hear above everybody else. And I, I go back to the praise team. They were loud, and this woman was louder. But she was, it was just, she was just giving everything she had just to say, thank you, God. Thank you. I love you. 
I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Yeah, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, you hear that woman? I said, yeah. He said, today I've heard her cry, and I've healed her daughter of cancer. And I said, okay. So I said, well, what am I supposed to do with that? And the Lord told me, you know what you need to do with that. So I get up after praise and worship. I'm telling you, I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced such a tangible expression of God. Because we get up and I'm standing there. And I had, (laughs) my message was going to be on the power of praise. And I'm standing there with my interpreter. And he's just standing there. And he's just standing like this. And he just looks up. He goes, goes, the presence of God is so heavy right now. And I said, I know. (laughs) It felt like just a blanket on my shoulders. And I was standing there, and it literally felt like I was holding on to an electric fence. And it was coming up one side, and I could feel just electricity. And so... And I know what electricity feels like because I have tangibly felt electricity because one time, <laughs> years before, we had gone on a ski trip and the, the slopes were just basically ice and, and I was trying to do this and I went, and next thing I know, I'm just spinning. And then I hit this embankment and I go down and, I'm, and I, I feel just nothing but air. And then all of a sudden I hit and land and then I just feel water. I landed in a creek And as I'm starting to get up out of this creek, I feel something around my hand, and it was like a wire. And then I was, I felt like electricity. (laughs) So I'm trying to get out of this creek bed. And they had to like haul me off of the mountain on like a little sled. I was fine. But I remember in that moment, I know what electricity feels like. And this feels like electricity running up one arm and coming out the down the next. So I'm standing there, and the Lord just instructed me, you need to call that woman forward. And so I told my interpreter, let's call this woman forward. And so he, she comes forward, and um, I, just, I just looked at her, and, and I just asked. Um, I was like, well, let's just, let's just put this to the test. Because the Bible says to test everything, right? So it was tested. I asked her, I said, do you have a daughter? See, see, see. So I'm like, it's like, Lord, all right. I said, here we go. It's like, um, I said, uh, is your daughter here? See, see, see. And I said, and I'm, each moment, faith is just building in me more. And then she, I said, does your daughter have cancer? And she goes, see, see, see. And she's weeping, and I just felt overwhelmed with compassion for this woman and her child. And I just, so I just said, can you bring her forward? And so she brought her daughter forward. And, and, and I, you know, to this little girl, I'm just some American there. Um, and, you know, I was, to be honest with you, I was, I was kind of expecting, like, you know, some charismatic kind of something cool. Um, but when I laid my hand on her, I, she just kind of stared at me. And I just said, um, in the name of Jesus, I command this cancer. Leave your body. It's dead in Jesus' name. You're healed. And, um, and so I got done, and then we did the rest of the service. And, um, and uh, I, I spoke some words over some people, and was, the, the Lord was really moving. But... I remember leaving that place thinking, like, Lord, if she's not healed of cancer, I don't ever want to come back to this place, ever. It's like, because if I were them, I would probably just stone me. Um, I would, you know, get rid of this guy and, and everything. So I remember years later, I was preparing to come back down, and I was talking to the missionary lady, Elaine. You know Elaine Wilburn. She's the one that had sent me out there with an ex-convict. And... Um, and so I remember just thinking, um, as we were trying to get ready for this upcoming trip, she was going over the itinerary, and, us, and, uh, and she goes, okay, so on this, on this first night, you're going to be at this place, and you're going to do this and, and preach and everything, and then you're going to go the next night to this place. It's like, um, it's like an old kind of like rodeo where they did bullfighting and stuff down there, 
but it's really neat. It's like this, and they got this stage set up. She's like, it's kind of rickety, but you'll be fine. And then she, and, and she's like, and, uh, and, then, and you're going to do like an evangelistic healing campaign there. And then the next night you're going to go and do this. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I said, what did you say? She said, yeah, it's like an old bull rodeo where they kill bulls and you're on this stage. But don't worry, it's, they, they, they'll secure it. And it's like that. I'm like, no, I don't care about the stage or the bulls. You said something about an evangelistic healing campaign. She said, yes. She said, um, she said yeah, you're going you're gonna to do that. I was like, is there a reason you want me to do an evangelistic healing campaign? P- particularly, is there any reason why you, th- why you want me to do that? And she said, did you not hear? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, the, that girl that you, that you prayed for, that we sent you out and we prayed for, she's healed of cancer. She said, around these parts, it's like you're known as an evangelistic healer. <laughs> If you're willing to just say yes, and just willing to just go, and willing to just essentially, if you're willing to take a step of faith, even to the point of humiliation, and if you're willing to just simply say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. If you're willing to do that, he will use you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what school you've been to. It doesn't matter what you know or what you don't know, because the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. And I feel like I could probably just summarize this whole message of how to overcome uh, disappointment, <laughs> depression, and fear. Because summarize this whole thing is if with this one thing, because I can give you a whole like you know, you know, self-help thing this morning. But here it is. Here's the thing. Find out your calling and pursue it with a passion. Ask God. And just, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, just find something and do it for the glory of God. If you want to overcome depression, if you want to overcome fear, if you want to overcome disappointment, then just get in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, when you are in the presence of God and when you're flowing in the presence of God, it's like nothing else will matter. And you may go through highs and you may go through lows, but he'll be with you every step of the way. And oftentimes I think that we, we get so self-centered. Let's just be honest. We, we focus on ourself instead of actually asking God, how can I be a blessing to others? Or what is it you want me to do? How do you want me to do this, and, and, and really just a simple matter of taking a step of faith. You're taking a step of faith, it's just like, you ever jumped off a high dive? It's like you get up there, and it's just like, and all you're picturing are all the bad things that could happen. You aren't picturing the good free fall feeling. <laughs> you aren't picturing like landing in the pool and just floating. You're picturing, you're picturing getting tilted and doing a body, you know, a belly flop from like 30 feet up. You're thinking of all the negative things that you could possibly think of. Now, if you wanted to jump off a high dive, go, you know, be my guest. That's fine. I've done it before. It's, it's fine. But what I'm telling you is just like, it's that moment of right there on the edge where oftentimes it's where the Lord is telling us to just take a step and then, and all we're picturing is all the negative that could happen. But if we will magnify the Lord, if we'll put our focus on what could happen if we said yes, then imagine what could happen when we actually say yes to the things of God, when God is calling us, and when we feel that presence of God, and when we sense and we know, and, and when He begins to just put His compassion in our hearts. I think about Jesus when He said He looked out at the crowds, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I look out at, I look out at so many people in, in our society today, and it's just like sheep without a shepherd. And it's, you ever seen sheep just kind of wander? It's like they're, they're not known for being intelligent animals, and they'll just kind of just wander unless they have someone to lead them. And... They're very skittish. They're scared. 
And so they, without a shepherd to guide them, they just kind of wander around in fear. And so many people are just wandering around in fear these days, like a sheep without a shepherd. And I want to tell you that the great shepherd is Jesus, and there's nobody else like him. And if you learn his voice, learn his voice, all the fear and all that anxiety, it's going to just, you'll be right where you need to be, and, and you don't have to worry. You can, fear will come, but you cast it on him. But we're going to talk about that. Psalm 27, 13 through 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. How many have been there before? You would have lost heart had you not believed. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So many people just, they, they just only believe in the goodness of God in the land of the dead, right? In the, in the sweet by and by. Oh, I, oh I'm, just, I'm just ready. Take me home, Lord. Take me now. How many have ever felt that before? Be honest. I've been there. I've been there too. It's like, God, just, all right, I'm ready. Take me home now. Take me home now. But I would have lost heart had I not believed that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He has a purpose for you now in the land of the living. And it doesn't matter what's going on. He's going to hide you in his shelter. He's got you underneath his wing. He's guarding you to just trust him. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How many like to wait? No, no show of hands. <laughs> we live in a fast food society. So it's like we pull up whatever fast food joint you want to go to. We all want service like Chick-fil-A. Right? You get up at Chick-fil-A, unless it's a bad one, there's very few. You get up to Chick-fil-A, and they have you in and out of that line like that. And we get so accustomed to that quality of service that even at a Chick-fil-A, we will find a, but that was a bad Chick-fil-A. <laughs> they didn't say my pleasure when they handed me my chicken sandwich. I'm going to take note of that, call a manager. I wasn't in and out in like three minutes flat. I mean, if you really want to see bad service and they go to another one, then it's like even really bad. But we just get so accustomed to not waiting because we, we want instant, instant, instant. But the Bible tells us to wait on the Lord. That we want to bypass that. You know, we, <laughs> we want to, uh, in the land of the living, be a good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Uh, I, say on, I say on the Lord, we're just going to leave the weight out and stuff because we don't really like the weight. But he tells us to wait on him over and over again. And that's, and that's really tough. I know with my daughter, she doesn't like waiting. If she, if she asks for something, she's, expect, she's wanting it in that moment. And sometimes I'm like, I'm busy. You're going to have to wait right now. I will get to you, I promise. And I will make good on that promise. But you're going to have to be patient. And I'm teaching her how to be patient. Sometimes I just, I just wait a little bit longer just to teach her about patience because I'm a good father to her. I want her to learn because I don't want her to go through life expecting that when she, when she wants something that she's going to get it in that moment. I mean, you know what that's called? That's a brat. And I don't want a brat. I want her to grow up knowing that you say, yes, sir, you say, yes, ma'am. You say please, you say thank you, and you wait patiently. You don't always have to be entertained. You don't always have to have some kind of food in your hand. You don't always have to have something. But sometimes you just need to wait. And I believe God wants to teach us to wait. Otherwise, he wouldn't tell us, wait. <laughs> and they never stop hoping. Don't stop hoping. 
I was talking to a friend lately, and they, they said, you know, I just don't want to get my hopes up. And I'm thinking, like, why? Always have hope. We should be the most hopeful people there are. Because hope feeds into faith. You can't have one without the other. you got to have hope. If you find that you are hopeless, then repent. Change. Find hope again. Get hopeful. God wants you to have hope. He doesn't want you hopeless. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. How many have ever had your hope deferred? Let's think about, you know, like a... You know, your hope gets deferred. It's like some, you hope for something that didn't happen. It didn't work out the way you wanted it to. And it makes your heart sick. I remember years ago, like, there was something I was hoping for, and it didn't quite happen. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to or in the timing I wanted it to. And I got depressed. I felt this cloud of heaviness. I felt this, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because, like, when I feel the presence of God, as I explained earlier, it felt like, it felt like a heavy cloud just surrounding me, but it was like, but there was love, joy, peace, goodness. I just felt all those things. But when the enemy comes, he comes with a counterfeit cloud that comes of its depression, its heaviness, its fear, its anxiety, it's all those things. And it all comes at you at the same time. And hope deferred, it, it invites those things in. But when the desire comes, though, when you wait on the Lord, if you'll trust in the Lord, when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. So when your hope is finally fulfilled, you become established like a tree. A tree, its roots have to go deep. And oftentimes a tree is like, oftentimes what makes a tree go, its roots go deeper is when there's not so much rain. When there's a lot of rain, the roots are a little bit more shallow. But when there's a drought in the air, the roots will go way deep. And oftentimes, it's like, that's what needs to happen with our hope. Our hope doesn't need to be so shallow. It needs to be deep. What is your hope in? Is it in a... If your hope is in the government, then I am... Let's, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, deliver you from that because the government has failed us time and time again. Man will fail you time and time again. Philosophy of men is going to fail time and time again. It's our, there's history books that will tell you, yeah, this society believed this, and years later, this, it was calamity for that society. And this society believed this, and years later, it was calamity for that society. But then all of a sudden, you get to like present day, and they're just like, oh, but this time it's going to work. It's not going to work, because here's what's going to happen. <laughs> the same thing that happened then. The Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. It may have a different name. It may look different, but it's, it's the same thing. But one thing never changes. God's word and Jesus Christ never changes. So if your hope is in him and established in him, you're like a tree of life. And the promises of God are yes and amen. So we can trust his promises. But if we don't know his promises, now I can assure you this, that the enemy will come and he'll cast seed of doubt seed of depression, seed of fear, all this things is going to cast along your way. And if you don't get that uprooted, it begins to take a stronghold in your life. Learn to wait on the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 11. I waited patiently for the Lord. Say, I waited patiently. And he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. There's a promise right there in that. If you wait patiently for the Lord, he's going to be inclined to you, and he's going to hear your cry. He's going to bring you up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust it in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I were to declare and speak of them, 
They are more than can be numbered. How many can say that? If you look back on, the, on what God has come through for you in your life, if you begin to look back with gratitude, there's more than you can really start to even number. If you'll start to recount the things of God in your life, you're going to see like, man, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. It's amazing how short-term memory we have. We just really forget the things that God has done in our life. It's like, but if you look back, if you're going to look back, if you're going to look in the rearview mirror of your life, look at the goodness of God. Don't look at your shame, as Jade was talking about just earlier. You don't have to look at the shame. You look at the cross, you see the goodness of God. You see all the good things that he's done in your life. You see how he's delivered you, how he's protected you, how he's spared you. I had a man speak a prophetic word over me one time. He said, said the Lord said that you know, you've, he's put angels around you, and you've kept them busy. And I started, I started well, what do you mean by that? And I started thinking about all the dumb things I've done in my life. I think about just, I mean, you can think of all kinds of dumb things in your life that you've done. It was one time I remember I was riding my bicycle, and, I, and it was this uh, driveway at my grandmother's house that started on a hill, and it went down, and it took a curve, <laughs> and it goes right out into a highway, like, um, ever close to where Gary's Barbecue is. It's, it's actually where the Bojangles is now. That used to be where I lived. Uh, it's totally changed now. They moved the house, everything, but uh, when, my, when we were there, I had this old bicycle, and it's the, I'm going to date myself now, but it's the chain, uh, with the chain brake, you know, no handlebar brakes. This was like, you know, back in the day when you got a bicycle, I don't know what it was like for you, but we went to like a junkyard basically and got, <laughs> we got stuff and, <laughs> and made our bicycles, put them together basically, and then, and then, you know, whatever came out from the junk pile was what we had. Their bicycle, so I and I was grateful for that bicycle. I'm not, I'm not, I, it was a great bike, but I was, I, I came and there was this little uh ditch and I and I hit it and I and I would always get some air and I came down and and I'm like, oh, that was awesome. And I went to hit the brake and it goes, and I was like, no, <laughs> and all I pictured in my head is like, I'm going, I've got a couple choices, I gotta, I gotta think about my choices. And so there was a speed bump uh, that went down before in, that you, you would hit, and, and that's before you got down before the curve. Now, the curve, it went down, and there was like a garden down there. But if I followed the curve, then I would have to figure, that would just be, I didn't want to follow the curve because that was going to take me to the highway. I, I ruled that one out real quick. So I hit uh, and so what happened is I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go down, and I'll just hit some air, and then I'll land in the garden, and, we'll, and whatever happens from there, you know, at least there's dirt. But all that changed when I hit the, I hit the speed bump because I couldn't slow down, and it just, like, jerked me over to the side. And then I went down, and I, and I hit, like, a, a ditch down there, and then I just remember flying over the handlebars, and I remember hitting, and I was like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. And then I, I looked, and the bike was coming down right on me. But I just think all the times that God has spared my life. He spared my life time and time again. And if I look back, I can't recount them in order. If I were to declare or speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. So learn to recount all that God has done with gratitude in your heart. Learn to have faith over fear, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance, title, deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith is expecting God to move. Fear is expecting the devil to move. Let that set in. When you have faith, you're expecting God to do something. You may, be, you may be down in a pit. You may be in a miry clay. You may have just flipped over your handlebars on a bicycle, but you're trusting that God is going to protect you. Faith is, well, God's going to protect me. You know, I walked away from that without a scratch. I know God protected me then. 
there have been, that's just like a little instance of what God has done to protect me. When I lived on Hatteras Island, I mean, I could have drowned countless times, and God was with me. God always protects. If I look back on all those times, I can't even really begin to number them. It's just too many. And God is so faithful. And so faith is like when we expect God to move on our, in our situation. But fear is expecting the devil to move. We're always, oh, what's going to happen next? That devil's been at me this week hard. What's happened next? What's happened next? What's going to happen next? And it's not that we don't acknowledge when things happen, because the enemy is, there is an enemy of your soul, and he wants to destroy you. But more so than that, there's a God that loves you, and he wants to deliver you, and he will not forsake you. We need to deal with fear as a spirit and not as an emotion. Deal with fear as a spirit and not as an emotion. Oftentimes, I think we, we do that. We deal with fear as an emotion. But the reality of the matter is this, is that in 2 Timothy 1.7, that's from the Passion Translation, it says, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not giving you that spirit of fear. That's not from God. I think some people think it is. Some people think, well, it's, it's healthy if I'm fear. No, God, is not, God doesn't want you to be afraid. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but he has given you a spirit of love, power, self-control. These are things, that's what he's given you. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And when you look at the description of the Holy Spirit, at no time does it say that the Holy Spirit brings this tremendous fear there's no, there's no fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. What is perfect love? It's God. It's Jesus. Jesus is perfect love. We, le- we have to learn to deal with fear as a spirit and not as an emotion. And I think that's important because we need to, we need to, we need to take authority over a spirit of fear. And we just simply say, okay, I see what's going on, and I'm going to take authority over it. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden my, my emotions don't necessarily line up with everything. My emotions may still feel, it is a feeling when you feel fear, but I'm going to take authority over it, not as an emotion, but rather as a spirit. In the name of Jesus, this spirit of fear has to stop, has to leave. He's given you authority to cast out devils. He's given you authority to to, uh, bind and loose We need to expose the devil and expose fear. Why does the spirit of fear come? It comes to control, to keep you from achieving your God-given purpose. That's why fear comes, to keep you from achieving what God is calling you to do. If I had given in to fear in that moment with that young girl, she would not have received a word that says you're healed. If I would have said, no, I'm, Lord, I can't do it. I'm too afraid. Like, What if you didn't say that to me? And so we need to be willing to just overcome fear. Say, this is a spirit of fear. I'm going to overcome it, and I'm going to simply just walk by faith. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We must learn to bind and loose, bind the spirit of fear and loose the peace of God. So, Father, we just bind the spirit of fear in this place and we loose the peace of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. For whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Say that, keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's given you the keys. 
How many, uh, you have a lot of keys on your, on your keychain? You know, it's like, I remember several years ago, I had, I, w- I was doing a couple different jobs, and I had, I looked, I had like, look, a janitor's keys thing on here. It's like, I had so many keys. I was thinking, like, man, that's kind of, it's kind of neat, though. It's like, because I can go, there's a lot of doors I can go unlock. It's like, I've been entrusted with a lot of people. Have in, these people have entrusted me because it was, I mean, it's places like downtown, like the Moroni Theater. It's like I could just walk in. I could literally walk in anytime I wanted to. I knew the alarm, everything, and they didn't care. They let me. They, they, I asked if I could do it sometimes. Like, yeah, yeah, anytime you want. I walk in. It's like, and uh, be there at any time. It's like I, I'd play music stuff there and do all kinds of things. And it's like, I, so, but I thought about it. I was like, man, it's kind of cool that I have some these keys. I had, at the same time, I had keys to this other building downtown that I was renovating, and, and the guy who owned it, he was like, yeah, if you, go, you need to go there, do something, that's, that's fine, just lock up when you're done. I was like, yeah, that's what it's like for us. God has entrusted us with these keys that we can unlock, and we can, or we can lock, or we can lock up. More importantly, just as importantly, we can lock it up. So, <laughs> some of y'all need to lock your doors. This is 2021. Don't, don't leave your doors unlocked. You know, if you're walking through the valley of shadow of death, it, it's a good idea to lock your doors. It's pretty simple. We still walk around thinking it's 1950 or something. Like spiritually, we've got our doors wide open and the enemy's just coming in. You need to lock that door. It's, t- it's bedtime. I'm locking the door. You know? 12 o'clock at night, ding dong, it's the devil. It's like, I don't want none. Go away. Door's locked. You aren't coming in here. And I'm telling you, we need to lock the enemy out. We need to, we need to bind the enemy. You're locked out of this place. And we need to loose the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit... Here's the, you come in anytime you want. Three o'clock in the morning, ding dong, Holy Spirit, come on in. I got coffee brewing. Let's go. Four o'clock in the morning, ding dong, Holy Spirit. All right, let's 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 spend some time together. As Christians, I'm gonna tell you, it's like the closer you get to the Lord, He doesn't care about your time frame. He doesn't care about your sleep schedule. He cares for you. He really does. But I can't tell you how many times the Lord woke me up at 3 in the morning. And it's like, and if, I'm going to tell you, you try to fight it, you're going to be a wide awake until, until you have to get up. But if you'll just get up and, okay, Lord, what is it? What do you, let him speak to you. Spend some time with him. You'll be more rested from that than you would have if you had fought it. What? You're in your bed. Ah, I just want to sleep. But just wake up, just get up, and just go spend time with the Lord. Just take a step of faith. I, I, that's my challenge to you. The Lord, next time the Lord wakes you up at 3 in the morning, wake up. Say, Lord, what is it? Speak to me. Open up the Word of God, and allow the Lord to speak to you. And you'll be more rested than you would have had you fought that. Amen? You good? Okay. Um, know that God wants you to overcome. You need to understand that God wants you to overcome. He doesn't want you to, to be uh, less than an overcomer. He wants you to be like him. Now, the only way you're going to overcome something is if, if, if there's something to overcome, right? So we get a challenge sometimes, and we have to overcome it. So we trust the Lord, and we wait on the Lord, and wait for him for a word of instruction that we would just do what he tells us to do, and he's going to bring you through it. It just takes time. Wait on the Lord. All right? It's quiet in here. Are all thinking? Okay. Good. Well, let it go deep. Let it go deep. All right. John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. You hear that? You may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Say, in the world I'm going to have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. I heard somebody describe it one time. It's like one of those blow-up dolls. You, you, you punch it, and you just pounce right back up. And that's what we're like. We're, we're pressed down, but we're not destroyed. We just, if you're in Christ, if you are rooted in him, it's just you get knocked down, it's bam, back up. It's like the opposite of a, when the Holy Ghost fall. You know what I'm talking about? We get Holy Ghost and fall out. It's like the opposite. They're like, bloop, back up. This is the thing I really want to get to. Learn to take your thoughts captive. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Say, not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. So you may ask, what is a stronghold? What is a stronghold in our life? Because it's so easy to throw that word out there, and we can Christianize it, and it's like, you know, like, but listen, the, the thing is, is, is this. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's a stronghold. A stronghold is an argument and a pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. Say, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we have to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. We have to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. We have to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Every second, every day, you have a thought that comes against you. You have the spirit of fear come upon you. You take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I, God has not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of love, a sound mind, of, of joy, of peace. All these things he's given me, self-control. That's what he's given me. So we take these thoughts captive. If you want to break down a stronghold, you don't have to yell at the stronghold, but you take it captive. It's a pretension. It's something that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. So whatever thought comes through your mind, filter it through the knowledge of Christ. And you will take that thought captive, and you will take hold of that stronghold in your life. Is that good? Learn to overcome the darkness through fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus. 1 John 5, 1 through 7, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness of all, at all. If we say that we have fellowship, say fellowship. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, listen to this, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Why is it important that you come to church? Fellowship. Why is it important that you get involved in the connect group? Fellowship. We talked about like a, a lion. The, the, the enemy walks around like a roaring lion. I heard a story about this guy, he went on safari, and they told him, they said, as long as you stay in the car, you're safe. Now, their, their car doesn't have anything to keep them safe. They said, as long as you sit down in this car, you are safe. But the moment you stand up in this car, you are now, you're singled out. And if you were, if you were to get out of this car, you're going to die. And they, and they told him, they said that we actually had someone Years ago on a safari, he was a man from Japan, and he was there with his family, and he thought he, he got too comfortable with these lions and everything. And, he, and here's the thing. He said, at the, the lions during the day, they're, they're, they're nocturnal animals, so that means during the day they're just sleeping, they're just 
hanging out. They're not doing anything. But night, under the cover of darkness, is when they come alive. Now, it's, it's interesting that, the, that Satan is compared to a lion. In that case, going around roaring, seeking someone to devour. It's like it's what he will do. He wants to get you out of that vehicle, out of fellowship. He wants to get you out, single you out. And the moment you get out and you think you, think you stand, that's when you fall. And so you get out there by yourself. And all of a sudden, it's like in that man who was from Japan, he was devoured in front of his family because he didn't listen. And so many believers, they get outside of fellowship and they get devoured. And I'm telling you, it's like whether you're watching from home, that's, it's like you need fellowship. You have a telephone, call people, get some fellowship in you. Do a Zoom call, do something, but get some fellowship. Come to church, just tackle, just say, God's not giving me a spirit of fear. And just, and just go for it. If the Lord is telling you to do it, do it. Let God be true and every man a liar. All right, let's go on. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the, holy, the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking, say not forsaking, the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but but exhorting one another, so much more as you see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? Do you see it? Uh, We were listening to a a series called The Tipping Point with Jimmy Evans on the way back yesterday, and and, uh, we're actually going to start doing it on Wednesday nights uh, in a couple weeks. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was just, it just reminded me, it just, it just kind of woke me up a little bit to say, yeah, this is the end times. This is it. I mean, prophecy is being fulfilled daily. We're seeing, we're seeing prophetic words and, that were spoken in, in the Bible, and we've, we're seeing them fulfilled daily. So that there's not much left to simply say, like, draw, lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And it was an encouraging word. I remember when I was a kid, it was so fear-based, you know. It was like, but this was a really encouraging word just to simply say that God is going to, he's going to be with us through all of this stuff. He's with us. And that's why it's, it's really an evangelistic tool to say, look, God is with us. And he's, 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 he's for us and not against us. And so like, it, it, whatever happens in the world, I know that God is with me. And God's going, he is our anchor. He's our refuge. And so whatever prophetic word comes to pass, God is faithful to his people. That's why it's important that you be his people. I want to ask you this morning, are you his people? Because if you are, you are in the shelter of the Most High. But if you're not, you're out there by yourself with roaring lions looking to devour you. Amen. Learn the, learn the anointing that is upon you. It's the anointing of Jesus Christ. When you, you can read Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3, Jesus got up and declared this, this verse, and he said, today this has been fulfilled. And I want to tell you that who, who lives in us? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God. It's the anointing of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I hope you believe that. Because the Lord has anointed you. He's anointed you to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent, you could, you could say, he's, put yourself in this. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison 
to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's another spirit right there. We take authority of the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isn't that good? It's talking about you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's anointed you for such a time as this. Learn the leading of the Holy Spirit. But the helper, the Holy Spirit from the Father will send, will send my, uh, in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Nor let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And finally, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers. Under His wings shall you trust. Shall his truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the error that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand may fall at thy side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thy behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest you dash thy foot against a stone. They shall tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's you. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's who he's talking to. You believe it? You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.